Let's pray over the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence here with us, Lord. We thank you that you that you meet with us, Lord, when we come to you, when we open our hearts to you, when we reach out to you in faith and in worship, Lord, that you always are faithful to meet us. You never fail us, Lord. And so we thank you that you are here, Lord, to work in our midst, to touch every heart and every life. Thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that you confirm your word today, that it will not return void. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you enable me and empower me to speak this word in the way that you put it into my heart. And I thank you that you are at work in the ears and the hearts of every person hearing to be able to hear it, to receive it. And Father, we thank you that it will bring forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We sang uh, Joy to the World uh, this morning. And Kim, if you don't mind, there's a, a line in the song that says, No more let sin and sorrows grow. Can you, can you pull that up? No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. And the next line says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. I want to, uh, I want to uh, minister to you today from this, the words of this song because the line, this line in Joy to the World is a direct reference to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden and the consequences that filtered down to all of us because of that. And uh, it's Genesis chapter 3 is where we'll go uh, this morning for our first scripture. Genesis 3 and verse 17, and this is in, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation right here. And to the, this is right after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. Now, I had a thought as I was looking over my notes yesterday, and I thought, and I'm going to just go ahead and be bold and step out here and, and just interject this thought. It's not really part of my message, but I'm going to throw it out here anyway and just see what happens, all right? Notice, notice what he says here. To the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, the ground is cursed because of you. So husbands, what lesson do you learn from this scripture? Never listen to your wife. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the, the, direct, the direct scripture uh, you know, looks like it would say that, but that's not what it's saying. Richard, what do you <laughs> I just put a whole lot of men in trouble. Yeah, that's what I was expecting would happen. So, all right. So, uh, you know, guys, so that's your excuse now. Anytime you don't listen to your wife, just say, well, pastor told me not to. So, all right. No, I did not. I'm not, I'm not saying that. This is a joke, okay? Gotta, I hope you understand my humor, all right? Uh, all right. That, if you get the full context, that is not what you take away. That's not the, the lesson you take away from this scripture. And... Uh, so let's keep reading here, all right? And so because of the consequences, Adam knew better. He knew better, and he should have, he should have done differently. Um, and so the curse came. He said, because of this, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. And so again, 
Uh, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. It's a direct reference to what, this, what God spoke here and revealed to Adam and Eve, the consequences of what they had done. And even though that had happened, even though a curse had come upon the earth as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, God had already spoken to them about a Redeemer that would come. And God is addressing the serpent just a couple of verses earlier in verse 15. If we look at verse 15 of Genesis 3, he says, And I will put enmity, he's talking to the serpent, Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the, the very way back in the beginning, right after Adam and Eve sinned, is the first revelation that God says, okay, I, I know this has happened, but I've, got, I've already got a plan. I've already got a plan. Hallelujah. You know, God was not caught off guard when Adam and Eve sinned. God was not taken by surprise. God has never had to say, boy, I didn't see that coming. He's never had to say that about anything that has happened in all of, in all of the history of humanity. Uh, God already had a plan in place to redeem his fallen creation. Thank God. Jesus, look at what, who Jesus is referred to as and who he's called here in Revelation three, or 13 and verse 8. Jesus is called the Lamb, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world, from the very beginning, God already knew what he was going to do. God already knew that he was going to send his son and his son would be the sacrificial lamb slain for the sins of the world. And it happened from the foundation of the world. God didn't have to call, a, didn't have to convene a conference with the angels and with the Holy Spirit and, and with with the Son, and say, what are we going to do? He already had a plan in place. Hallelujah. Amen? What a God. What a God we have. Hallelujah. And we worry, and we worry about the smallest things in our life. And we've got a God who is our Heavenly Father, who from the foundation of the world already had a plan. Don't you think if if He had that, don't you think He can take care of you? Don't you think He can take care of your concerns and, and your life? Amen. Don't you think he's got a plan in place for you to redeem you, to restore you, to bless you when the effects of the curse has touched your life? Yes, he does. Amen. Thank God. First Peter 1.20. Peter talks about this. It says, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God, he was, Jesus was foreordained. He's talking about Talking about Jesus coming, talking about it's who Peter's referring to, Jesus as our Savior, as our Redeemer. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had that plan in place, but was manifest in these last times for you. Praise God. It took, it took uh, centuries and uh, millennia to get that plan uh, in, into fruition and into place, but He was manifested in these last times for us but he was ordained, foreordained from the foundation of the world. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Again in verse 15, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and notice this now, and between your seed. Who's he talking to? Talking to the serpent, Satan, the devil. All right. 
I'll put enmity, enmity or, or hatred or contention between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Okay, so this promised redeemer that God said he would send would be known as the seed of the woman. All right, well, that's a little bit out of the ordinary. We know that in human reproduction that the seed comes from the man, right? Okay, and uh, the seed comes from the man. And so here, even here in Genesis, God is revealing that the birth of the Redeemer would be something out of the ordinary. It would be supernatural. And thousands of years later, the prophecy of Isaiah would confirm this. So um, Isaiah 7 and 14, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Well, that's humanly, that's not possible, right? That has to be some supernatural intervention. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God, which means God with us. Praise God. So when the angel Gabriel appeared uh, to Mary and told her that, that she would have a child, she couldn't understand how that would happen since she was a virgin. Here's what we read this last week, but let's look at it again. In, uh, in Luke 1, verse 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? The angel Gabriel had greeted her and said she's going to give birth and uh, she's going to have a special child. She said, Well, I'm a virgin. I can't, uh, I've not been with a man. I can't, uh, I can't have a child this way. And so how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So the, the angel gave her a message that she's going to conceive supernaturally, that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. The power of the highest will overshadow her. She's going to be with child, but not by natural means, not by human means, but by supernatural means. Praise God. And the same, the same reality, see, there, there are some, um, I, I don't know if I should even call them Christians. There are some church people, we'll put it that way, some people in quote-unquote Christianity or, or church or religion that say, oh, well, it's not necessary that we believe in the virgin birth. I mean, that's not essential. It's one of the essential tenets of our faith, folks. It is essential that we believe and know and understand that Jesus was born of a virgin. And uh, otherwise, if he was not, then, then God just lied right here in the Bible. Right? But God doesn't lie. Amen. Um, and so... The Lord, uh, the, the Lord, through the angel Gabriel, told Mary, this is how it's going to happen. It's going to be supernatural. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And then in Matthew chapter 1, same thing is confirmed to Joseph. You know, he, he didn't understand. He found out that Mary was with child, and he said, oh, well, I know I'm not the father, and we're engaged. I'm going to break this engagement. I'm going to put her away secretly. And while he thought about that, verse 20 of Matthew 1, while he thought about those, these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Not a, not a natural human conception, 
but a divine conception of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Why does this actually, why does it matter? Why did, why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Because Jesus had to be born without sin. A slave could not redeem other slaves. It had to be someone who was, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to Satan. Only someone who was free could come and free the slaves. And so Jesus had to be born without sin. It had to be a man, and yet it had to be more than a man. Jesus, the necessity of the virgin birth hangs on the, or for the virgin birth, hangs on the necessity that Jesus had to be born without sin. Ever since the fall of Adam, sin has been present in our world, and every person born in sin is born in sin and lives a life of sin. That's, that's, our, that's the human existence. And God, as God, Jesus is eternally sinless. As the Son of Man, born into our world to redeem us, He had to be sinless. Had He not been, Jesus would not have been the pure and sinless Lamb of God to pay for the sins of the world. He had to be sinless. That's why He had to be born. We had to be, God, it had to be God to redeem us, and yet God had to become man. It had to be a man, because man had sinned, then man had to be the one to pay the price for sin. But no ordinary man could do that, was qualified, because of that sin nature that had spread through all of us. So it had to be someone who was man, and yet was 100% God. That's why the virgin birth was necessary. In Leviticus... The Bible tells us that the life of all living creatures is in the blood. Therefore, sinful human life is in sinful human blood. Because of the virgin birth, Jesus didn't have that sin nature that's passed down through the blood. Where did Jesus' blood come from? Well, in Acts, we get, we get an answer for that. We're told that Jesus' blood came from His heavenly Father. Acts 20, verse 28. Therefore, Paul is writing to the, the elders of Ephesus, or, or teaching them, talking to them. And he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Notice this. Now, here's what we want to get to. Which he purchased with his own blood. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The word... God there in the Greek is theos. It's theos, and that's the word that's, that's normally translated for God the Father. When it's talking about God the Father, when it says God, Jesus is God, God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. But when it's referring to God the Father, they use the word theos. That's the word that's used here. The church of God, or the Father, which he purchased with his own blood. So Jesus' blood came from His heavenly Father. Praise God. Jesus had pure, sinless blood, and that He shed that blood, and that blood was sufficient to pay for our sins. Amen? Amen. Thank God. Let's go back to Genesis 3 again. Remember, again, God is speaking to Satan, and He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman... And between your offspring and hers, look at this last next phrase here, what's going to happen. 
He will crush your head, the seed of the woman, who we discovered and we know that's Jesus. He will crush your head. I just love that, don't you? Amen. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So, so the seed of the woman, Jesus, the one who would be born of the virgin, he's going to crush your head, Satan. And Satan, you're going to strike his heel. So the Redeemer would come. The Redeemer would crush the head of Satan. That indicates that he would take away his authority uh, and, and strip him of his authority and totally defeat him. To have a crushed head is to be totally defeated, right? And in the process of doing so, Satan would strike Jesus' heel, foretelling the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. And so, uh, it, you know, it's better to have a bruised heel than a crushed head, though, right? Jesus Christ, I love that scene in the Passion of the Christ when, when Jesus is praying before He's going to the cross. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's committing to the will of God. And, and, you know, we don't have, there's no scripture that says that this happened. But, you know, Satan is weaving through as a, as a snake. And, and we see the snake weaving through while Jesus is praying and sweating in great drops of blood. And then Jesus commits to the will of God. He said, all right, that's it. I know I'm going to do this. I've prayed it through. And he stands up. And, you, and, you know, it looks like the, the snake's about to attack, and we see Jesus stomp the head of the serpent. It really was done then. He did it on the cross. He did it in the shedding of his blood. He did it in those three days and three nights before his resurrection. But it really was a done deal when he surrendered and submitted and committed to the will of the Father. I'm going to fulfill this plan. I'm going to do it. At that moment, Satan's head was crushed. Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. And it was true, it was. But he might as well have been saying to Satan, you're finished. Hallelujah. He crushed the head of the serpent. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, It's it's interesting to me that, that the Apostle Paul uses this very same imagery in writing to the believers in Rome and, uh, and by extension to us, uh, because this for us too. Romans 16, 19, it says, Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. That's how God wants us to live, wise in what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then here's, look at what he says in verse 20. The God of peace will soon do what? Crush Satan under whose feet? Who's the you're, who does the you're talking about? Uh, talking about the believers in Rome and again by extension talking about us. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hallelujah. Amen. What does that mean? Well, Jesus did it on the cross, but then as we live out our lives, we, we go in his authority and we, when we enforce Satan's defeat, and anytime Satan tries to rise up and say, well, you know, I've got this power. Well, you know, I can put sickness on you. Well, you know, I can do this to you. He no, yo, you don't. Jesus already defeated you. Get back down there. Get back down there. Amen. Hallelujah. And Satan is crushed under our feet as we stand in our authority in Christ and as we stand on God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. And so. Uh, so again, so God announces his plan back there in Genesis. He said, I'm going to send the seed of the woman 
and he's going to crush your head, Satan. You're going to strike him in the heel. And, uh, and, and so this is God's plan to lift this curse off of, off of mankind. But from the time that he announces that until the time that Jesus comes is, is quite a long time. What are we going to do in the meantime? What's what God knew it was going to take some time to be able to get the Redeemer into the earth and to work his plan. So what's he going to do? Well, we know that he called the people, the Jews, to, to follow him and serve him and to reveal his will to the nations. And he gave those, those people, he gave them his laws. All right? And uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he told them this. <clears throat> he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, what was, what was the curse that, that was pronounced in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3? Sin and sorrows and thorns are going to grow. You're going to you're going to bring forth food out of the out of the labor, out of your out of the toil, you know, out of your toil and look and labor, and it's going to produce thorns. It's going to be hard, you know. It's going to be hard to to grow crops and to and to do all of that. Life's not going to be easy for you in that in that regard. But here, God says you're going to be blessed, and He says specifically in verse four, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. The produce of your ground. It's not going to be cursed. It's going to be blessed. Amen. So he's telling them, there's a way that you can live out from under that curse yes. that came into the earth as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. You can live, you can live under really an umbrella of protection. That's what he, was, what he was telling them. So he devises a temporary plan whereby they could, his people, if they would follow him, could live under his blessing, and out from under the curse. Did anybody have to use an umbrella at times yesterday if you were outside? It was raining and raining heavy at times, right? I, I took an umbrella with me, and I didn't get wet because I had that umbrella. Well, this is what God is talking about. He said, if you'll put your umbrella up, then, the, then it's raining all around, but you can be dry wherever you go. All right? You can live out from under the curse, all right? And so... Let's skip down to verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake. Well, the curse was already out there in the world. And he said, look, if you, there's, a way to, there's a way to live protected from that. But if you don't, if you don't follow the way that I'm telling you, then you're going to be back out here under the curse that's on the earth. All right, and he says, uh, he tells him in verse, verse 18, Curse shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. He said, if you live under, if you obey me and follow me, then, then everything like that's going to be blessed. The fruit of your body is going to be blessed. The produce of your land is going to be blessed. The increase of your cattle and offspring of your flocks is going to be blessed. But if not, then it's going to be cursed. It's going to be cur the fruit of your body cursed, produce of your land cursed, increase of your cattle cursed. Stuff's not going to produce. It's not going to work out for you. And so as we read through 
Deuteronomy 28, which we're not going to take time to do today, as, you, as we read through that, we find that this curse extends way beyond just the ground being cursed. It also includes confusion and futility in your life. It includes family breakdown. It includes poverty and lack and sickness and disease. It includes your children going into captivity and all of those things. That's part of the curse. That's part of the curse. No more let sin and sorrows grow or thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow as far as the curse is found. Hallelujah. So the problem, uh, the problem with the Israelites and with anyone is that no one was really able to fully follow the law. And so they were constantly getting out from under the blessing and experiencing the curse. That was their experience throughout their history because, again, this was a temporary plan. God said, this is, this is the best I can do for you right now. The Redeemer's on the way, but this is the best I can do as long as they followed him and, 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 and they had periods where they, could, where they did that. But ultimately, just because their nature wasn't changed and they still had a sin nature, they couldn't fully do that. Neither could any person. Neither can anyone today. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed a Redeemer. And the Redeemer was on the way. Hallelujah. And he came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. He came and just like God the Father planned from the foundation of the world, he became the spotless and sinless Lamb of God and he took away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Here's what he did, Galatians 3. In Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he did? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do it? Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So when he hung on the tree, when he hung on the cross, he was redeeming us from the curse of of the law. He was breaking the power of that curse that had been upon the earth and upon mankind ever since Adam and Eve sinned back in the Garden of Eden and Satan became the God of this world, the scripture said. But Jesus took care of that. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became a curse for us. Hallelujah. He crushed Satan's head in the process of doing that. Amen. The book of Hebrews tells it this way. And Clint, come on back up if you would. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. God had to become a man. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying, God had to die. Well, the only way God could die was to become human. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Play, uh, play, that, play joy to the world. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to settle in on that, on that 
verse in the song. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Let's keep reading back in Galatians. They broke the power of the devil. And back in Galatians 3 again, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But wait, there's more. Verse 14, that the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. He comes to make his blessing flow. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. We receive it through, not by trying to keep the law, but through faith. Through faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can live free from the curse and under the blessing by living by faith in Christ Jesus. Now again, look who Paul is, who's this letter to? What does that say there? Galatians. All right. He's writing to the, Galatia was a region and there were several churches in that region. And Paul wrote one letter to all the churches in the region of Galatia. One reason he wrote this and said these things was because after he had originally come and preached the gospel to them and got saved, there were some false teachers that came in and said, you know, you Gentile people, you're not really saved yet until you go back and keep the law. Now, if you keep the law, now it's great that you've, you know, that you've got Jesus, but this is Jesus plus. There's no Jesus plus. There's just Jesus. There's just Jesus. Hallelujah. If you keep the law, if you get circumcised and keep all the ceremonial law and all of that, then you're going to make it. And, uh, and so Paul had to write them a letter and say, no, 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 no. No, that was just a placeholder. The law was just something that God said, this is the best I can do for you until I send the Redeemer. He's come. You've believed Him. You've put your faith in Him. You don't need to go back to that now. Hallelujah. Amen. No, now we live in the reality of His finished work on the cross. He He crushed the serpent's head. He accomplished it. Amen. We're redeemed. We're redeemed from the curse and we can live in the blessing. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Whatever area, whatever area the curse has affected and touched your life in the past, I want to encourage you today to allow his blessing to flow. Allow His blessing to flow into that area, into those areas, and redeem those areas in your life. Hallelujah. The curse has touched all of us. The curse has hit all of us. The curse, we've all experienced the curse in some way. But thank God that the message of Christmas, the message of the, of the birth of Jesus is He's come to make His blessing flow into all those areas where the curse is found, into all those areas where the curse has touched our lives. Hallelujah. Would you stand up and just begin to worship God and just begin to appropriate that right now? Let's just sing that line. 
Flint, lead us in that. He comes to me. No more let sin and sorrows grow. The curse No more. Raise your voice and say, no more. No more let sin and sorrows grow. No more in my life, Satan. No more. No more will I eat the fruit of the curse. No more will I live under the curse. Come on, come on, say it. No more will I live under the curse. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I am redeemed from everything that's in the curse. I am redeemed from sickness and disease. I am redeemed from poverty and lack. I am redeemed from confusion and futility. I am redeemed from my family being destroyed by the devil. My children are free from the enemy's captivity. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm blessed. He comes to make his blessing flow in my life. And I receive that. Lord Jesus. Thank you you. that your blessing flows into every area that's been damaged in my life by the curse. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Redeemer completely, fully, perfectly in every area of my life. I'm redeemed. I live under the blessing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're joining us on YouTube and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, pray this prayer after me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I recognize I need a Savior. I need a Savior from sin. And Jesus, you are that Savior. You are the Holy Son of God. Without sin. And you died for me. For my sin. I trust you now. I believe on you now. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior and my Redeemer. 
Let your blessing flow into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, get in touch with us here at City on a Hill Church. Go to our website, cityonahillchurch.us, and reach out to us that way. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to follow up with you. Praise God.